The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today and tomorrow, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I was sent a video by a friend of mine named Olivia, who is a fellow teacher, uh, and the video is entitled The Case Against the Jedi Order. Uh, the video focuses, it's a 25-minute video essay, and it focuses on the philosophy espoused by the various Jedi in George Lucas's Star Wars movies, meaning the original three and then the three prequels. And the video argues that the Jedi advocate a philosophy and uh, an ethics or, or an approach to life that is emotionally unhealthy and uh, and destructive. Um, and the video makes some pretty good arguments, but the video also uses the term stoicism uh, four or five times to describe this jo- this uh, Jedi philosophy. And in the name of, uh, of clarifying and defending stoicism um, mm-hmm. and criticizing stoicism, I'd like to share my thoughts on that. Uh, I don't know if Olivia shared this with me because I'm a movie guy in general and, and, you know, use movies in, in my teaching or whether it's because of the stoicism aspect or it's because I've been posting people Torah memes for the last two months. But either way, uh, I wanted to devote uh, two episodes to this. Um, in this episode, we're going to focus on some statements made by Yoda. And in the next episode, we're going to focus on some, uh, a statement made, made by Obi-Wan. Uh, each of these statements reflects different uh, errors, in my opinion, or, or different points that are worth, worthy of criticism. So the first uh, the first quotation from Yoda is really from, it's really a dialogue between Yoda and Anakin in Revenge of the Sith in the third episode, uh, episode three. And uh, I guess I should say spoiler alerts, but I, I think uh, it's been long enough that that you, you know, you, uh, you can't blame me if I spoil uh, uh, these Star Wars movies. So Anakin has been having dreams of his wife Padme uh, dying, suffering you know, unclear in the dream. And he goes to Yoda to express his concerns and to ask how to deal with it. But he doesn't tell Yoda who uh, the dream is about because Yoda doesn't know that he's married. Uh, Because uh, according to the Jedi order, then Jedi are not allowed to fall in love or or be married. And the video talks at length about that. I'm not going to dwell on that right now. So um, because I can't do a good Yoda impression, uh, I'm just going to play this clip from the video. It's a little bit longer than one minute. So here is Yoda talking to Anakin. Premonitions? Reminiscences. Hmm. These visions you have. They're of pain, suffering, death. Yourself you speak of, or someone you know? Someone. Close to you? Yes. Careful you must be when sensing the future, Anakin. The fear of loss is a path to the dark side. I won't let these visions come true, Master Yoda. Death is a natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the Force. Mourn them do not. Miss them do not. Attachment leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed, that is. What must I do, Master Yoda? 
train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Okay, so in case the audio didn't come out, the three key lines that Yoda said are um, the fear of loss is a path to the dark side. Secondly, he said, death is a natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the force. Mourn them, do not. Miss them, do not. Attachment leads to jealousy, the shadow of greed, that is. And then the final thing he said is train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. So the question is, is this a faithful representation of Stoic philosophy or not? So the answer is yes and no. Yes, I think it is a faithful uh, re representation of Epictetus' Stoicism. No, I do not think that it is a faithful representation of Seneca's Stoicism. And I acknowledge that I'm, you know, I, I've said this many times. I'm still in the process of learning about both of them. This is just my understanding at this point. So let me read you an excerpt from Epictetus's handbook. Uh, this is in, uh, you know, the chapter three. And I've, I think I've read parts of this excerpt before, but I think I've actually deliberately avoided reading the entire thing because. I didn't want to give Stoicism a bad name uh, early on in the um, uh, in the podcast. So here's what the excerpt, or here's what the uh, chapter three says. With respect to any of those things you find attractive or useful or have a fondness for, recall to mind what kind of thing it is, beginning with the most trifling. Okay, good advice so far. Now he gives two examples. So if you are fond of an earthenware pot, say I am fond of an earthenware pot, then you will not be upset if it gets broken. Okay, it makes sense. I think I quoted this in my Subaru uh, denting episode. Then he says, when you kiss your child or wife, say that you are kissing a human being. Then, should they die, you will not be distressed. Whoa there. Okay, so that is different than earthenware pot. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a second. Okay, but then he also says in chapter 7, here's another example. Um, he says, just as on a voyage when the ship has anchored, if you go ashore to get water, you may also pick up a shellfish or a vegetable from the path, but you should keep your thoughts fixed on the ship and you should not look, sorry, and you should look back frequently in case the captain calls. And if he should call, you must give up all these other things to avoid being bound and thrown on board like sheep. So in life also, if instead of a vegetable and a shellfish, you are given a wife and a child, nothing will prevent you from taking them. But if the captain calls, give up all these things and run to the ship without even turning to look back. And if you are old, do not even go so far, go far from the ship, lest you are missing when the call comes. So this is really what I object to in Epictetus. So on the one hand, logically speaking, he has a point, right? Is that an earthen, earthenware vessels break and human beings die. And just as you shouldn't get upset when something breakable breaks, because that's the natural thing, um, especially if it has to happen, so too... Logically, you shouldn't get upset when a human being dies, because that's what humans do. But but the mistake, I think, is the fact that it does not factor in the the reality of the 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 you know the magnitude of of, of emotional excuse me different uh, the, the 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 yeah whatever the degree of emotional difference there is between an attachment to an earthenware pot and an attachment to a human being. And again, I think if we compare this to halacha. Um, then it is, um, then we see the, uh, uh, hold on just a second here. I actually got up the wrong source. Uh, we see that Halacha does draw a healthy balance between the two. So this is the Rambam in the end of Hilchus Evil, the laws of mourning chapter 13, Halacha 12, oh, sorry, Halacha 11. So he says, um, a person should not be, um, uh, literally make himself harsh or difficult over uh, his his uh, his dead loved one, uh, literally his dead, more than uh, than uh, sorry. Let me try that again. Person should not uh, 
take the death of someone uh, in an overly harsh way. Shinemar, it says, It says, I don't know the context. Don't cry over the dead and don't uh, be uh, moved by him. Uh, I guess. I did not look that up. Klomar, yes or me die, which doesn't mean don't cry at all. It means excessively. Shazehu min olam. This is the way of the world. Someone who is afflicted uh, or suffers because of the way of the world is, a, is an idiot. Ella Rather, what should a person do? Three days for crying. Shiva lahesped. Seven for eulogizing. And 30 days for what we call shloshim. You know, for the... Um, uh, the the procedure the restrictions that follow for thirty days a- after the death. Then in the next halacha he says, anyone who does not mourn as the sages commanded, this person is cruel. Ella Rather, a person should fear and and worry and analyze his actions and return in teshuva. You know, do uh, you know change his actions? And when one member of the of the fellowship dies, then the entire group should uh, should be worried. So I'm not going to talk about that last part. But you see from here, like this. On the one hand. The Ramam is uh, is saying something similar to Epictetus, which is that uh, this is the way of the world. People die, and you shouldn't. If you are upset about the way of the world, then you're an idiot. However, that is if you do it excessively. But Chachamim, the, the Chazal, set forth parameters for our mourning: three days for crying, seven days for uh, for eulogizing, thirty days for the observances of Shloshim. And if you don't mourn in accordance with that, so then you're considered cruel or indifferent, which means that you're denying a certain part of your human nature, and it's an inhuman type of thing. Now, we can talk about what the effects of that are another time, but I think that is what is unrealistic about Epictetus's brand of Stoicism, um, that he's not sufficiently taking into account the human dimension. And how exactly do you differentiate between the two? I mean, what is the difference between an earthenware pot and a human being, and, and how do I logically separate between the two? That I'm not sure about, you know? I agree that it is rational to moderate your expectations in a manner that you won't be upset excessively, but I don't know how to define what would be considered excessive when you're dealing with human nature uh, and those parts of human nature that that cannot or shouldn't be changed versus those parts of human nature that can be changed and and should be changed. So that's an open question, but I do I do uh, uh, think that it is something to to uh, critique, uh, something I'm critical of. Um, the other thing that I want to bring up here is something that I've quoted fairly recently um, in Seneca's letter number nine. Uh, again, I mentioned that I don't think Seneca would agree with this. And my main reason for believing that is he says uh, he's describing the 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 sage of the cynics, I believe. And he says there is there is this difference between ourselves and the other school. Our ideal wise man feels his troubles but overcomes them. Their wise man does not even feel them. Um, and I think that that is a uh, a criticism of this, you know, this uh, um, misunderstanding of Stoicism that Stoics don't feel things. Um, that Stoics, or or even worse, that Stoics suppress or bury their feelings, as we'll talk about uh, tomorrow with uh, Obi-Wan. Um, and I don't think that that's what Stoicism is getting at, at least not in... In Seneca, and I think largely that's a misunderstanding of Epictetus as well. Is what they're trying to do is they're trying to take feelings that that are um, uh, that are destructive or that are that can be uh, that that I guess 
can successfully be changed into more productive ways of of living or 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 more tranquil or or happier ways of experiencing life and uh, trying to suggest methods for how to how to um, how to make those changes. Um, and that's different than denying or suppressing your feelings. Okay, I'm already going a little bit over time, um, but I guess I just want to make one more point here because this I wanted to focus on Yoda. Another criticism of Yoda that the video talks about is this famous line here. Uh, so this is Yoda. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. So in a sense, that's true. In a sense, that's false, right? Because um, fear involves uh, a... Uh, typically involves things that are outside of your control. And again, the opening line of Epictetus' Enchiridion is that there are things that are in your control and there are things that are not in your control. I'm paraphrasing here. And if you strive to control those things that are not in your control, then you're going to end up being miserable. And that's really where it ends up with suffering. Well, anger, hate, I don't know about hate, but anger and suffering, you know? So in that sense, it's true. Um, but again, there are things that are, that are rational to fear. I mean, even the Stoics presumably would agree that, that succumbing to a, an irrational fantasy is something that is worthy of fearing because it, it is something that is a true loss. You know, if you lose the ability to um, to uh, to keep your mind in a tranquil, realistic state, and you let yourself get out of control, uh, out of control, that is a real loss, so to speak, or it is real harm, according to the Stoics, because the only real goods and evils are how you use your will. Or let's say in our case, um, and I know we use the term fear differently, but we have fear of Hashem. You know. Uh, and uh, again, obviously, fear of Hashem is different than fear of a, of a, a particular physical phenomenon. But you know, I, I think the mistake that Yoda is making here, which the video elaborates on, is this kind of like domino chain reaction feeling that if you allow yourself to feel any emotion, then that's just going to lead to disaster. And uh, one of the points that the video makes as well is that anytime Anakin uh, in in the in the prequels experiences an emotion then um, it is portrayed as a weakness and and the there's always this threat looming that it's going to lead him to go out of control and fall into the, the into the arms of uh, of anger and hatred. And again, I don't think that that's how Seneca would view things. Again, uh, Epictetus is a different matter maybe, but but Seneca does talk about his feelings with uh, with Lucilius uh, in his letters, and he he strives to not run away from them, but to really, feel them and learn from them. And uh, I, I think that that is something that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, an under-recognized part of Stoicism. Again, I think because Stoicism gets a, ra a bad rap of, like, concealing your feelings. Okay, I've definitely gone over time now um, and started to ramble. And also, this is this typically happens when I record at night. But you know what? That's the only time I had today. So that's when I did it. Um, that's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.